Hey, everybody. Really interesting conversation. We have Udi Wertheimer, who's a very well-known Bitcoin personality. He's been on shows like Bankless, What Bitcoin Did, a lot of different uh, podcasts. He's been on Up Only as well. And we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and NFTs, the future of Bitcoin, the future of Ethereum, whether NFTs will ultimately end up on Bitcoin, and everything in between. It's a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed sitting with Udi and Nick and hearing their different perspectives. As always, all of our content is sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at thenifty.com slash FTX or with the code thenifty on your FTX mobile app. Hey, everybody. In today's show, we are talking to Udi Wertheimer, OG Bitcoiner, formerly known as the number one Bitcoin troll and recovering Bitcoin maximalist. We're going to be talking about NFTs, Bitcoin, Ethereum, the Ethereum merge, and everything in between. I'm really, really excited about this one. You aren't going to want to miss this one. As always, all of our content is sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at thenifty.com slash FTX or with the code thenifty on your FTX mobile app. And as always, if you enjoy the content, hit the like button, smash the subscribe button, share the content with your friends. And nothing in this video financial advice. We're not financial advisors. The NFT space is incredibly risky. So always do your own research. The crypto space in general, the Bitcoin space, all of them very risky. So never financial advice in these videos. I don't want to delay any longer. Here's the man himself. Udi, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. It's awesome. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thank you for coming. Um, you know, our audience, Udi, is almost 100%, you know, NFT focused, digital collectibles, trading <laughs> NFTs. Uh, my dog's messing with my background right now. I can feel it right here. It's okay. You know, we, we move on the fly on this show. As you can tell, we can adjust. Um, and so, Udi, not everybody knows uh, your background. I would love to hear, you know, who is Udi? Um, who are you in the Bitcoin community? And just a little bit of a, an introduction for our audience, and then we're going to dive right in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm Udi. It is a name. It's an Israeli name. Not very common in the rest of the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been in, I don't know. I've been in Bitcoin for a while. My, you know, my background is software engineering. So when I first heard about Bitcoin, I was mostly interested in it because of um, just the way it worked. There was nothing like it you know, technically back then was kind of fascinating to me. And um, that's kind of how I got into Bitcoin. And for many years, I've been, you know, mostly interested in, in Bitcoin only. I, um, and I still think, you know, I still, I'm still very bullish on Bitcoin to this day. And I think that it's the, you know, the biggest and most important innovation that came out of the space. Um, but also I think that, uh, you know, yeah. I'm too old to get NFTs, that's for sure. But also I think that, you know, there's something cool about the way that um, I think they attract a very new kind of audience. I think that's really cool. And I think that a lot of the values that um, maybe earlier Bitcoiners cared about are um, kind of more transferable to a new audience using NFTs. So I think that's really cool. And um, yeah, also recently I've been... <laughs> been semi-rejected by the Bitcoin Maximus community because I dared to say things like what I just said, you know, that NFTs can be cool and that Ethereum isn't necessarily a scam, uh, you know, uh, crazy stuff like that. <laughs> so we can, we can talk about that a little bit. Well, I definitely want to talk about that. And for people that don't know, you know, the the Bitcoin maximalist community that Udi is referring to, that's the community of people that believe only Bitcoin is right, right? And, and I kind of was in this group when I first started getting into Bitcoin. My thing with it, Udi, is the distinction between, you know, digital money 
or as Michael Saylor calls a digital property for Bitcoin versus a digital collectible. Like the way I think about it is there's got to be at least one super hardcore Bitcoin maximalist out there, full tilt toxic maxi that has a signed baseball in his house or has an autographed <laughs> Babe Ruth card in his house. And I feel like if I could yeah. just get to that guy and be like, an NFT is the same thing as that signed baseball, only digital. And guess what? There's already uh, NFTs built on Bitcoin. And guess what? In the future, there's going to be even more NFTs built on Bitcoin. In fact, there's a non-zero chance Bitcoin will be the main blockchain for NFTs in the future as layers get built on it. I don't know. Am I way off base with all that, Udi? You know, it's, it's funny you say that. I think just the other day, um, my friend Peter McCormick, who's... Um, the host of, of what the, Bitcoin did. Yeah, the host of what Bitcoin did, which is probably the biggest, you know, Bitcoin podcast. Um, he he had this tweet where he just said, you know, he was showing his like sneaker collection. He was talking about how he was collecting sneakers for years. You know, physical ones, not not your three D metaverse sneakers, like the the actual the, the actual ones, ones you put you on. Wear. Yeah, but why would you want those though? <laughs> the ones you put on your feet. I thought we only want digital stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently some people collect those and they can, you know, they can go up in value quite a lot. Like, you know, people are buying them for tens of thousands of dollars. So uh, anyway, so he's, he showed off his, his, you know, decade old uh, sneaker collection or whatever. And, and a lot of Bitcoin maximalists got pissed in the comments because they're like, what, why are you buying expensive shoes instead of buying Bitcoin? You should be only buying Bitcoin and buying anything else is a scam. So, you know, that was a little funny uh tidbit but sure yeah i think that obviously people you know like collecting things not everyone but some people do and and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i love how your background is falling apart it's like, like it's like hair. this whole just he's like afraid <laughs> to do anything about it and we're watching this journey of the background with pio right now it's absolutely hilarious <laughs> I was like, like, can the I take market my market is so hard on us that we can't even afford like reasonable backgrounds. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I, I can't get a stand for it. He's got it leaning up and then his dogs r running through and basically just knocking it down. And I didn't want to take myself <laughs> off. I didn't want to throw off Udi's mojo and like pull myself off camera for a second and fix it. So thank you guys for making me uh, comfortable um. fixing it <laughs> r real quick. I want to throw to Nick in a minute, but to, to warm up, to warm up for the throw to Nick, Udi, what is your perspective on the current state of affairs? Like, what is your, you know, August 30th, 2022 take on Ethereum as, you know, a thing, literally just as a thing? Like, to you, what is Ethereum right now, late August 2022? Yeah, I used to be um, like one of Ethereum's biggest critics in the world, probably. I think a lot of people in the Ethereum community, especially people who been around for a while they re remember me and see me as this guy who's like super critical to ethereum um i don't feel that way anymore uh, i think that you know obviously like in the last two years you can you can't ignore the fact that you know ethereum achieved a lot right like the the DeFi stuff and the nft stuff are both things that you know they existed before but they weren't nearly as popular as they are now um and you know, I think both of them have been like massive achievements and you can't really ignore that anymore. Um, that being said, you know, I think that my usual um, opinion on Ethereum is that it's maybe just not taking the best trade-offs, you know, like you can, um, you can kind of pick if you want to be like super centralized or you want to be fast and cheap or, or somewhere in the middle. And I think that 
Ethereum, in my opinion, is kind of too optimizing to the decentralized side of things. Um, I think it might be too decentralized for its own sake. I know a lot of people are actually saying the opposite, like it's not decentralized enough or whatever, but I think that it's, you know, if, if what you want is to collect like JPEGs of, of penguins, and then, then maybe you don't need the most secure decentralized uh, platform in the universe, and maybe you can go with something simpler. And, and there are costs to that, right? Because it's not only the transaction fees, I guess now they're cheap, cheaper for the time being because no one's no one's trading right now. But it's not just about the transaction fees. It's also, you know, other platforms have an easier time adapting to market changes and, and you know, creating new features and whatever. With Ethereum, we're, you know, finally now going to see the merge that people have been talking about since 2018, at least. Um, I mean, really, since Ethereum started in 2015, proof of stake was always a promise. But since 2018, it was an actual roadmap and it was supposed to be a year and it turned into four years. Right. So I think that has a lot to do with the kind of decentralized culture around it. And and I think that a lot of centralized platforms like, well, others will be probably faster to adapt, you know, like Solana, for example. I, I wonder if yeah. the, the so it sounds like what you're saying is uh Ethereum is in this weird um, middle ground between a Bitcoin and a Solana or some other centralized system, basically, where it's saying, I, I mean, personally, um, I, I've never been a fan of decentralization outside of the theoretical like implications of decentralization, which is saying like, and, and more importantly, some of the borderline political uh, drive behind it, which is saying, power to the people like that thesis yeah. basically is like okay well that's really interesting and take away that control from the man basically from uh the capitalist you know uh civilization and 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 systems that are like embedded within society uh fuck the system decentralized is the way i like it ironically we're headed toward uh taking all these things in a more um centralized path that's approved by the government and gonna interface with all this but i'm wondering well, there were two. One thing you said was recovering Bitcoin Maxi. So the first thing I was going to say is, well, what happened? What and why was it ETH? And then the second thing I was, was going to say is, um, what like what is the use? Like, what's the purpose of Bitcoin today? When we look at it today, because I I always was fascinated with it as well, and it kind of brought uh, blockchain technology to the mainstream and was the foundation of that concept. And uh, and really they had a breakthrough with it. It was something that had been worked on digital gold for like a long period of time. Um, and so then they had this breakthrough with it. The, the technical aspect of it was fascinating, but it's not clear what the use case, at least for, for, for me is right now, outside of, um, you know, some countries with failing governments basically to send money between them. And then on the flip side, the speculative nature of it, I own Bitcoin. I buy Bitcoin. I like, like, I think, yeah, price go up. Cool. Um, but what, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. Yeah. Those are good questions. I think, you know, with, with Bitcoin, I think that it's, um, what sets it apart from everything else is that it's like, it's a neutral form of money and it's very predictable. So, you know, if you think about ETH, the the monetary um, policy of ETH, the asset, not Ethereum, the network, but the asset ETH itself changed a lot over just the last year or two. Um, you know, 
EIP 1559 was a change. Um, proof of stake, once we switch to it, is going to bring another big change. And I think we can probably assume and expect that changes will happen in the future too, um, because they have, you know, every couple of years, the, the monetary policy of Ether, of Ether, the asset change. So, so things like the supply and the rate of, of the issuance of new coins, those things change and you can't really predict what it's going to be in the future. Um, with Bitcoin, it's very predictable and, and it's very resistant to changes. So you can be pretty sure that even if some government or, or some institution or whatever wanted to change it, they'll probably wouldn't be able to pull it off. And the reason this is valuable is mostly, you know, at least for me, it's, it's the sort of a hedge, right? Like a long, long-term hedge where you say, well, um, if governments really mess up and if some, if stock markets really mess up, then I think that, that, that Bitcoin has a good chance to perform similarly to gold in, in, in the, you know, in a situation where the economy is doing really bad, not, not on the, you know, not maybe not in the time frame of, of months, but but if we're looking like a decade, you know, from now. And if you're thinking about inheriting something to your children, you know, and saving for for um, for college for 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 a child that wasn't born yet, then maybe that makes sense. Um, as at least as, as you know, as, as part of that portfolio. Um, so that's for Bitcoin, and I think that predictability is something that's really unique, and I think that it will be it proves useful, especially in like uncertain times. Um, ETH is something else entirely like it's not supposed to be that and it's not going to be that and I think that ETH as an asset is is not particularly interesting like Ethereum as a platform we could we could argue about it being you know useful but ETH as an asset I see it as just you know something that's necessary in order to make Ethereum work right so actually that's I think a good distinction so when you're looking at Bitcoin the, the Bitcoin technology and the Bitcoin blockchain only exist in order to allow the Bitcoin assets to, to work and to have its properties. And on the other hand, with Ethereum, the Ethereum asset only exists in order to make the Ethereum platform work. So with Bitcoin, the asset is the priority and with Ethereum, the platform is the priority, not the asset. Um, you know, and I think that makes them entirely different. So it's a completely different investment thesis. It's a completely different idea. And, it's, it's really an entirely different thing. Um, it's very hard to compete with Bitcoin as an asset because the, the, because the main feature of Bitcoin is its predictability and its immutability. Um, you know, other crypto assets just don't have that and it's unlikely that they will be able to achieve that. It's not a technology thing. It's really like a, an ethos thing, you know? So like Bitcoin has this hardline community that will not allow any changes to, to the asset itself and, and the other ones don't have that and can really bootstrap that kind of thing very easily. So, so I think Bitcoin will retain that advantage. It will be very hard to to compete with it on it. Um, Ethereum, on the other hand, does have competition. You know, like the platform Ethereum has competition. There are forks of Ethereum, and there are a Solana that isn't an Ethereum fork. There's a, you know a lot of a lot of competitors to Ethereum, and it remains to be seen which one wins. I don't know. Um, it's not going to be Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not going to be a platform for applications, that's for sure. But um, it might be something that's different than Ethereum. So. You seem to bucket it, and this is what I historically have bucketed it into, is essentially digital gold um, that, uh, that, you know, in worst case scenarios that uh, this will be an asset that has value. There's some extreme versions of that. Like you still need 
technology in order to like make these transfers. It's still dependent on having access to some form of internet that could be even via mesh network in the worst case scenario should, uh, but uh, um, you still need some way to connect with other people in order to transfer it. I guess you could do peer to peer just directly like phone to phone, but you need power um, uh, at a minimum in order to utilize it. I'm wondering, I mean, God forbid we don't have power for an indefinite period of time, then like none of us are prepared for that scenario probably. But like in terms of, do you see any other, cause there are, there is a category of Bitcoin uh, people and enthusiasts who are trying to evolve Bitcoin. I think of the lightning network. I think of people who've built NFTs on top of it. I think of some of these other different use cases. Do you see any value in that? Do you have any interest in that uh, whatsoever? Or do you think all those innovations are just uh, a worthless pursuit and that they should just let, you know, Bitcoin be Bitcoin? Um, you know, I think that um, the NFT story is, is interesting, right? Because NFTs started on, on Bitcoin. Like the first NFTs have been on Bitcoin. And, um, but it's, it's only when Ethereum stuff like you know i guess crypto kitties at first in 2017 and then uh in this latest round um that, that nfts became really popular i mean they were never like mainstream popular in bitcoin that's for sure and there can be many reasons for that maybe you know maybe it's happenstance also uh, bitcoin is not you know it's not really built to be an application platform like it's people had to really go out of their ways in order to issue nfts on bitcoin with like technically difficult and the user experience was pretty lame. Um, so I think like Ethereum is a better fit. It doesn't mean that, you know, maybe that can change. And if, you know, if people, you know, sometimes you really like the technical stack of Bitcoin and want to use that to both things, like I'm, I'm in favor of experimentation and of any kind, like if people want to do that, like, sure, maybe it works out. I don't know. Um, I think it's probably easier at this point to, to do it on, on Ethereum or on Solana or something like that than, than trying to do it in Bitcoin. But by all means, if, if someone wants to prove me wrong, I'll be happy to I'll be happy to use Bitcoin NFTs if they become a thing again. Um, why you said I'm too old for NFTs. I'm probably I don't know if I'm older than you, uh, but I, I feel like I am. Um, <laughs> but I'm just wondering, uh, do like why why not the the nft side of things like and and more importantly like it between those two things how is how how are nfts not more exciting than the bitcoin itself no i i want to i want to clarify i um i think i think nfts are super cool i own you know i own a bunch and oh, okay. I mean, you know, unfortunately i probably shouldn't shouldn't have bought them but i own a bunch and like also um I think they're cool. I think it's an exciting concept. I think it's awesome that, that new people join. If if at all, I kind of think it might be a waste of time to try to do them on Bitcoin because I think they're good enough on Ethereum and Solana and so on. I don't think there's a point in trying to do it on Bitcoin, but I know some people, people are. And as I said, I hope it works out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have anything against them. On, on the contrary, I think it's awesome that the, the thing that I like the most about it is that it seems to attract a, you know, an audience that wasn't attracted to Bitcoin before and wasn't, wasn't attracted to Ethereum before either. Like it's, it's, you know, like a lot of creatives and, 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 you know, collectors and, and all kinds of people that 
don't necessarily connect to the idea of uh, digital gold and don't necessarily connect to an idea of world computer and all of those crypto narratives we had before. Uh, but they do connect a lot to this idea of collecting digital stuff. So if we can get to these people and transfer the same values we had about, you know, self-sovereignty and decentralization and, and self-control and ownership, if we can transfer those values to them, that's awesome. Even if they don't end up specifically with Bitcoin, I still think that it's a win. So I guess, how do you feel about layers being built on Bitcoin? Like, do you think that Lightning Network is going to kind of have its its destiny realized? Like I look at Jack Mahler's and Strike and, you know, everything that's going on there. And then the idea that additional layers get built on Bitcoin in the future, maybe smart contract layers. And then you have those those layers that are, are built on the most robust and most secure and in theory, the most decentralized blockchain. That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, but it almost sounds like you're not as bullish about that. You're more bullish on just like the main layer of Bitcoin and it being what it is today forever. Um, you know, I, I don't know. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of experimentation. I think that anyone who tries anything um, is, is helping the cause and, and eventually someone will add something that works. With Lightning specifically, uh, you know, it's designed to be a payment system, right? So it's, it makes specifically payments uh, much easier to make and faster and cheaper and better user experience and so on. Um, they don't really have a lot to do with NFTs or smart contracts. They're, they're a different thing. Like Lightning is just a payment mechanism. And as a, pay as a payment system, it's great. And I, you know, I think it could definitely succeed, especially, especially as Bitcoin grows and becomes uh, more popular Then I think Lightning Network could be a big part of that. But NFTs are kind of orthogonal to that. So I, I don't think that, you know, that's going to solve the NFT problem. There could be other layers that try smart contract stuff. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad, but Bitcoin's, um, Bitcoin's design means that it's very difficult to add features like smart contracts, either on the base layer or, or another layer. It's kind of hard to do it in a way that is uh, trust minimized. You can kind of do it in a way, I'm getting technical, but you can kind of do it in a way that adds trust, that creates more trust. So you need to, um, you'll need to trust some sort of third party or a group of third parties in order to use some second layer that adds smart contracts. Um, so that means you wouldn't necessarily inherit all of Bitcoin's great decentralization and security features if you add smart contracts. So I'm not sure that it's beneficial but maybe it is, you know, I, I know there are a bunch of people are trying it. I know there are a bunch of companies trying it. There's uh, uh, RSK or Woodstock that are building a, 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 sort of a smart contract platform with Bitcoin. There are stacks that are also doing something like that. So I hope it works out well and, and it might, you know, like I think there's a lot of room for experimentation around that. Pio, I'm, I see the disappointment in your eyes and I'm wondering on a scale of like one to 10, how disappointed are you that Bitcoin is not the the blockchain that's going to be used for any of this stuff uh, moving forward. Well, I just like my follow-up question to Udi then is like, well, what is like a potential scenario to you in the future? So then Bitcoin is like this, this safe haven asset that, you know, 
like you can leave money to your children. I'm assuming you think institutions will probably adopt it, you know, pension funds, you know, entities like that. And so does that mean that Ethereum gets or Ethereum or an Ethereum competitor ends up ultimately becoming the more widely used development platform and thus potentially flipping the market cap of Bitcoin being more widely used than Bitcoin? Is that is that what you see? So Ethereum is already a much bigger development platform than Bitcoin. Bitcoin as a development platform is tiny. There's very few development projects on top of Bitcoin right now. Ethereum is, is orders of magnitude bigger in that regard. Um, and it still didn't flip Bitcoin's market cap. So it, when, we, when we're talking about the, the market cap, I, I actually am not a big believer in the idea of flipping. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think it's a it's kind of tough to get there. Like it's a very far goal. Um, you know, if you think about the last two years and all the advancements that's been made, like again, the DeFi and NFTs, which you know, just if you think about how massive they are now and how they literally did not exist at all two years ago, um, that's really a very big, um, a very long road that, that the Ethereum community went through in the last two years. And still, it's, you know, very far from the flipping. I think a lot will need to happen to get there, a, a lot. And I don't know exactly how it would look like, but it's, it's pretty far. So I'm not super bullish on that idea. Um, but that, that being said, Ethereum is a much bigger development platform by already, and I, I don't see that changing. I, I think that, you know, Bitcoin is not a development platform. It doesn't have the features that, that would make it one. Um, it's possible that it will change, I guess to fit that. But right now, that's not the case. Well, and it doesn't make sense. Like Ethereum was basically born out of Bitcoin to, to a large degree was bit. I mean, you had Vitalik uh, and uh, all the people that he was partnering uh, with on the development of Ethereum came out of going to Bitcoin conferences and some of these other events and uh, networking with other people that were fascinated with this technology that said, hey, we're going to build a development platform. That's what it is. It's it's uh, it's basically yeah. saying, hey, we want to turn, make a blockchain based development platform um, that has, uh, you know, a, a cryptocurrency or some, I don't, you know, I don't know if, what, what term they used, but built in as a sort of um, native component of that ecosystem. Um, and as, as you were even saying, I've never viewed it as Ethereum itself serves the purpose of the platform. I know, like I had never that that wasn't how I packaged it in my mind. But I, but I like that. I mean, Ether the asset. Yeah. Um, it, because you were, you said earlier, you basically said uh, that the Bitcoin platform serves the uh, serves Bitcoin, the asset itself, whereas the asset ETH, you know, uh, serves the purpose of uh, the platform, which is um, is accurate. Uh, so yeah, I mean that that aspect is fascinating. Where do you like? Well, what do you do today? Like, are you are you just a thought leader? Like, what what what's your uh, like what are, what are you focused on at the moment that's that's a good question i'm uh you know these days especially in the last probably year or so i tried to get more into um you know just investing in the space which i kind of took my you know i was bitcoin only for a long time so i kind of took my eyes off of a lot of what happened in, in crypto and a lot of the advancements that were made. So I, I spent a lot of time in, in, you know, researching what, what changed since the last time I looked and then going into and make some investments in, in the crypto space. Um, 
apart from that, you know, I'm a software engineer by trade, you know, so I've, I've been doing like software engineering projects on and off. Got it. Okay. And also there's the Twitter account, which I really recommend that no one tries to follow because <laughs> it's terrible. And when you're building uh, projects, are you building in the blockchain space right now or what space are you operating in? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for for let's say, I mean, for the last um, for last year or so, even two years, I haven't worked with any specific project. But before that, yeah, it was mostly the crypto space. Um, <laughs> it's it's um, it's a lot of it's you know for me like the one of the toughest things to do was to separate between the technical look at things and and kind of thinking about things as a quarter and then looking at things as investments it's actually very different you know i, I back in um i don't know what was it like 2015 or whatever when ethereum had its uh crowd sale um i uh i barely had any money i was um um i was young but i i did you know i hear i heard about it i did throw a little bit of money at it and but at the same time as an engineer i was thinking you know ethereum so many things seem wrong about it technically you know like it's uh it's, it can never scale and and there's gonna be bugs and the smart contracts are gonna fail and people will lose money and there, there are a lot of like technical things that you think about that that are not gonna work but um it turns out the, the tech isn't necessarily the top priority and the, the top reason for why projects succeed or fail, right? Like, and you see that with a lot of companies and products and services over the years. Uh, the tech is important, but it's not necessarily the top priority. And as engineers, me and my friends from back then, I think that's that's the view that a lot of kind of early Bitcoiners had too, because a lot of the early Bitcoiners have been engineers. So kind of the... The view we had was, well, the, the things that they say about Ethereum, half of it is like physically impossible. And the other half seems like it's not going to work or, or it's going to have a lot of issues. So from our point of view, we're like, well, so, you know, it's not, it's not a good investment. But <laughs> of course, it was a very good investment because I think even though a lot of that criticism was right and Ethereum did end up tackling a lot of problems and having a lot of issues, um, and, you know, they kind of have to, they kind of in a position where they need to rewrite the entire thing because of how broken it is, but that doesn't matter because it's also achieved a lot of, you know, um, groundbreaking things. And it, I think it had a big part in creating this entire industry. So it turns out that the tech and the fundamentals of the investment are not necessarily the same thing. So that's <laughs> just an interesting lesson to engineers out there. It's actually one of the, I observed that at the last company I was at, the product sucked, like uh, from, from a, from both the user experience. Well, the user experience wasn't awful. It just wasn't great. And the technology was like, okay. I mean, it like, it functioned. It's all built on, in that case, it was all open source. I mean, the, the biggest thing with Ethereum as a developer, the development experience pretty much blows, um, like compared to, unless you're interested in like yeah. challenging software engineering problems, like in terms of, sorry, I shouldn't say problems. It's when you're focused on the nuance of a language that versus when you're focused on developer productivity. And I think mm. uh, I come from like Ruby on rails, for example, yeah. and like coding on in that framework, 
it's focused on productivity. You just get the damn job done, basically, and you move on from that. Is there bad code that ends up in there? Yes. Do you, is there, are there ways to learn how to build it better? Yes. Um, solidity is just like a, a pain in the butt to, to learn. <laughs> yeah. You can, and then you end up deploying bugs, and then you inevitably have errors, and then you're, we're all looking for like the most brilliant person in the room who can like write bug free code for something that's like going to manage billions of dollars. And it's just like, okay, like what, what, how did we get constrained into this ecosystem? Like, I don't understand uh, because yeah. no like corporation would want to operate in that world where it's like write once and, and, and don't evolve. Um, but, but that's the constraints here, which is interesting as a, as a thought exercise, it's, uh, way more challenging to do on a, from a business standpoint, trying to build something built on top of it. I, I think it's why we also haven't seen, frankly, a huge breakout of like NFTs broke out crypto basically, like or to, to an, is like the next level up after the like ICO boom. But still, even with all of that, how many people are trading NFTs? Like, it's not like, uh, it's not like a billion people. It's like a million yeah. people. It's, it's, probably it's, less. Probably I mean, less, right? Way probably less. less. Yeah. Yeah. Way yeah. less. I think it's it's not a lot of people. Yeah. So especially this month. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're t yeah we're we're looking at maybe like a hundred thousand or something like that. But I think yeah. it's which is like when you think about the early uh, Facebook days, there were seven million people on Facebook. I remember when they launched their platform, and it was like, holy shit, this is going to change things. And they went from 7 million to now basically the world um, or whatever, you know, uh, billions of people. And so that that's like quite a transition. We've been in crypto talking about it for years. I mean, Bitcoin preceded uh, yeah, Ethereum by many years. And I, and I think like I'd have conversations about it. I'm still having this, a lot of the same conversations like a decade later. Like what, where, where is, so I'm wondering from uh, your standpoint, what, where does adoption come from? Because some of the stuff that you're talking mm -hmm. about with like uh, the gold reserve, you can go on a TV right now and someone's going to be selling you gold coins or telling you why you got to buy gold or like what, uh, during like daytime television, where, where is the thing that like brings that equivalent for even Bitcoin or let alone crypto as a whole? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think that with with Bitcoin as digital goal, I I think it's only going to be very appealing to mainstream in, in, in times of extreme uncertainty. And I think we saw that in 2020, um, late 2020. And you know, if we if we get similar, you know, uncertain times, then, then maybe it will happen again. I, personally, I hope. We don't see that again. You know, I've had enough of 2020. But um, if we do, I think that we'll see a lot of interest in, in Bitcoin as, as again as a sort of a hedge. Um, as for crypto as a whole, uh, I think that I think the idea, and I'm I'm trying to be careful about that, but I think the idea of gaming could maybe be interesting, even though a lot of what people are saying these days about crypto gaming is like complete bullshit uh maybe there's sometimes gonna at some point gonna be something there i think that you know it can be connected to the idea of nfts and 
I think it's it's maybe a way to bring another like new audience into into the space. Um, what exactly it looks like, I'm not sure, but probably going to be around ownership in one way or another. I think that the whole play to earn stuff is really just a Ponzi, and and I hope that it's all over because it's kind of exploitative and terrible. Um, at least what we've seen of it so far. Um, but maybe just the idea of you know letting people play games that are fun and they enjoy playing them they don't employ they don't play them to make money but also when whenever they have items they get to actually own them and they get to trade them and they get to sell them on marketplaces maybe there is something there i'm not sure yet it's kind of hard to tell too because those things take you know like unlike the other crypto stuff games it's like it takes five years to build like a good game and a, and a huge budget of probably a hundred million dollars or more and those things take a lot of time and the experimentation there is very slow. So um, it'll take time to see if there's a fit there. Yeah, I mean, I think we're evolving from play to earn on that front. So I guess, let me ask you, do you, like, do you buy Ethereum? Are you investing in Ethereum businesses? Um, you know, so what I found recently is that not necessarily a lot of the new stuff is being built on Ethereum at all. Like, I guess if at all, it's probably going to be built on the, you know, Ethereum second layers. Um, but what I see from most founders these days is that they don't really care which, you know, they don't have an ideology about which chain they're going to use. Um, especially so many of them are technically very similar for developers, right? It's like mo almost all of them are EVM compatible and it's, you can easily port your app from one to another. So it's really more a question of um, what's the best fit for the audience you're targeting. It's not really a question of what Ethereum or not. Um, but I'm definitely investing in non-Bitcoin stuff, if that's the question you ask. It's not necessarily related to Ethereum directly, but it's definitely non-Bitcoin stuff. Um, I do like investing in Bitcoin things as well. There's just isn't, um, you know, there isn't as much to do in a Bitcoin only world, like if a company is trying to build something that is only Bitcoin and, and as a principle does not touch any other blockchain, then like, what is it going to be exactly, <laughs> you know? So those just don't exist as much is what I find, but I'm, I'm definitely open to that. I think Bitcoin is very cool as well. Um, but there's definitely a lot more happening development wise in other ecosystems, just because the others are development platforms and Bitcoin isn't. So do you even care about crypto? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's all I do. That's all I do. I care about it a lot. I think that the reason, you know, the reason I care about it is that I think it, 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 it kind of allows this freedom, right? Like you can, you can use your money however you want. And I, I don't know. Look, I'm from Israel and right now I'm in the U.S., and for me, just the, just the act of transferring money from my bank account in Israel into somewhere in, in the U.S. is, is, is a pain. Mm -hmm. It's like it's actually complicated. I think a lot of people were, um, you know, were just Americans and, 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 and can, can use the American uh, financial system freely. They, they don't see that. But um, like for me, it's an actual pain. <laughs> and and the, the freedom of being able to transfer my funds and, and, and do whatever I want with them uh, is, is actually like a, it's a new thing for me, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so I think it's cool. I think that the way that crypto enables it in very different ways is, is, is the big selling point, right? Like you'll have 
Ethereum is trying to enable that in one way. Bitcoin is doing something else entirely. Solana is trying to maybe be more centralized, but but in that way also more approachable. Um, and I don't know which which approach is the right one. That's why I think it's great that there are multiple attempts and multiple people trying different approaches. Um, but I think it's really important that we get it right. Uh, I kind of can't imagine going back to to before crypto. You know, like it's I I think. I truly do believe that the world is, it will be a worse place without it. So I think it's pretty important we nail it. Have you bought, um, you, you, it sounded like you had some bad experience with experiences with NFTs. Are there any that you uh, really like and what, what are those? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure if I can say that I really like any, um, I wouldn't say I had bad experiences, by the way. You know, I, I knew what I'm getting into, and I I, I assumed that uh, um, you know there's eventually going to be a time where the market isn't going to do as well, and, and I wouldn't say I'm like disappointed or something. I, I think it was an interesting experience. I you know I had fun going to um, NFT NYC and then going to a few of the events of the different communities and seeing how people are so passionate about that. I think that's really cool. Um, I don't like naming like any specific things because then people give me shit, but, uh, the, and I, I don't see myself as a member of a specific NFT community, but I think that just the existence of them is really cool. The way that it enables people to find their place. I think that's really awesome. And are the NFTs that you're buying all on Ethereum? Uh, mostly, yeah. Most of them. Yeah. How about rare Pepe's? <laughs> <laughs> Those, um, those I uh, remember from my counterparty days in Bitcoin, from yeah, from a long time ago. But I don't know, like that's, you know, I think that um, there's actually been this interesting discussion a few days ago. I don't know if you guys uh, heard of Hodlun out. He's uh, he's like a big personality in the Bitcoin space, um, and he's like anonymous. I don't think we know his name, but. Um, he had uh, he had this run-in with with Craig Wright a few years ago. Craig Wright is this person who claims to be Satoshi, and I mean, he clearly isn't. And he's he's suing a lot of people for uh, not a lot. He's suing some people who call them fraud and so on. And uh, Holonaut is one of the people being sued. So. You know, Craig Wright has a lot of money and they're putting a lot of money into these lawsuits. I think the lawsuits are terrible. I hope they drop them. It's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Holland was running this campaign to raise funds uh, to support his uh, his defense, his legal defense. And during that... Um, Jesse Powell, who's who's he's the CEO of Kraken, the, the exchange. He, uh, you know, he jumped into a thread and he suggested that maybe you know maybe you should do a, um, an NFT collection, maybe do an NFT collection for supporters of your cause. If someone donates, you'll give them an NFT. Um, you know, he has this imagery of Space Cat that he uses for himself, so maybe it could be something involving those. And and you know, and and, and Jesse gave some examples of. Uh, other donation projects that use NFTs and raise a lot of money. So like, look, you can do it on Ethereum. It'll take you like one, like find someone to do it for you. It'll take you a few hours to, to do the whole thing. And he said, I will donate some money. And I'm sure some other people will donate some money. We just want to get some token of appreciation in return. That's all. And 
and uh, and a lot of the people in the Bitcoin community in the comments were really mad about that idea that a Bitcoin personality should use Ethereum in order to to do a fundraiser. Um, personally, I, I I think that you know obviously Ethereum is where the market is for for NFTs right now. Like if you try to force it into something like Bitcoin, uh, like counterparty where the where PayPays are. Um, it's kind of silly. Like, why would you do that? The market is on Ethereum. This is where people have the wallet open and they're ready to use the money and they're ready to give it to you. So why would you, why would you go and do it somewhere else? Maybe on Solana because that's somewhat active as well. But those are the two that are active. I wouldn't try to do it anywhere else. And I think if you have a goal, like you're trying to promote some legal defense fund, then it makes sense to just say, well, we'll take anyone's money. If they want to support us, we'll take it. If you want to support us with ETH, We'll take it. If you want to support us with soul, we'll take it. <laughs> you know, we have a goal. We're not here to be ideological. So, you know, to your point, I don't see a reason if someone is interested in NFTs, like go ahead and be <laughs> interested in NFTs. It shouldn't be a, an ideology about which chain it uses or whatever. Like that's kind of silly to me. Just, you know, just do, <laughs> just, if you are interested in NFTs, go ahead and do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like based on what you've talked about, and I know that you do a lot of discussion about like Bitcoin maximalists, right? It's like, would, would it be safe to say that you don't think that Bitcoin maximalists will come around to NFTs? Because it sounds like if you zoom out and you go to the future, you think that the NFT stuff is going to stay on other chains besides Bitcoin, right? Like you don't, you don't expect a big time, you know, uh, development push to make a layer on Bitcoin and have that become the primary NFT layer. And if I think about it like that, like a, a real hardcore Bitcoin maximalist is not going to buy uh, NFTs on Ethereum. This is not going to happen or any other chain yeah. for that matter. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Look, it's possible that NFTs will become a thing on the Bitcoin platform, but I think it's unlikely. And, um, and I think, you know, pe most people who consider themselves Bitcoin maximalists, I think that I can't speak for them, but I think from what I can see, that they are mostly interested in, in Bitcoin as an asset. It's not really just about the technology. Like even if you had NFTs that are somehow using the Bitcoin infrastructure, they would still probably, most of them will probably still think, well, but the only asset we want to own is Bitcoin. Uh, so we're not gonna buy those NFTs even if they use the Bitcoin infrastructure. And that's fine. Like I don't, you know, we don't need to convince them, right? Like if <laughs> just like some people are only interested in gold, some people are only interested in real estate, and some people are only interested in Bitcoin. That's great. I mean, I, I don't see a reason to try to sell NFTs to them. Like if they don't want to, that's great. I, the only thing I'm, I think is if someone is interested in NFTs, and the only reason that they're not jumping into it is because they are concerned that it's built on Ethereum and not on Bitcoin. That seems like a very odd reason to be like. Who cares? Like go and if you want to get into it, go and get into it where the market is. Um, and if you don't, that's fine. I, I, a lot of people are never going to get into NFTs. That's awesome. No problem with that at all. I'm not going to try to push it on someone who's not interested. And when you when you talk about that, you're talking about NFT collectibles. Do you have a belief that long term, you know, an NFT technology? I mean, it's really just blockchain technology will bleed into practical use cases like the deed to your house, the deed to your car, um, you know, things like that, like accounting, you know, just more practical stuff. Just because the blockchain ledger is, you know, it's it's just a good way of kind of doing that stuff, keeping track of stuff. 
Look, it's it's possible. Um, again, as my if I put my engineer hat on, uh, that use case doesn't make a ton of sense to me because it seems like it's a lot of overhead for uh, very little benefits. Like you can probably already do those things without NFTs. But maybe I don't know. I I learned to not <laughs> not dismiss things just because they don't necessarily make sense engineering wise. Um, Maybe. I think that so far what we've seen with NFTs is we've seen some fit around, um, you know, around art and around culturally significant things. Um, so, you know, my instinct is that it will probably continue in that direction, but maybe not. Who knows? And uh, last question for me, and then I'll, I'll throw it to Nick if he has any others, is like, do you see like a cross-chain future then where different blockchains have different purposes and they all interact with each other? Do you see consolidation to two or three? Because it sounds like you don't necessarily see consolidation all to Bitcoin. So maybe is it like two or three right now? We can talk about Bitcoin, Solana, and Ethereum as like kind of three of the main ones. But there's, you know, Avalanche and all this other stuff that's kind of coming out and, and you know, some rising stars in the blockchain world. Like, what, what do you think about a cross-chain future? Yeah, I think a cross-chain, multi-chain future is the most, most likely. Um, I think that... Um, at the end, the reason, you know, like there are always those bull cycles, like the one we just had, let's say from 2020 to 2022, where um, a lot of things happen very fast and everyone's releasing their new projects very, very quickly to try to capitalize on on, on the hype. Um, and when that happens, you know, there's people are not trying to make a lot of sense of which technology is the best fit for what they're just trying to get out of the door and, and, and do things quickly. And that's fine. That's probably kind of over with for the time being. Um, and then if you go back to the basics, then I think the reason that you're trying to use blockchains for stuff is, you know, why are you building an app on a blockchain? Well, probably because it's permissionless, it's censorship resistant. You can do things that maybe in some jurisdictions are illegal and other jurisdictions are legal. You can kind of take advantage of the arbitrage or you can just, um, you know, not try to... Uh, comply to the laws of, of jurisdictions you've never heard of and just do things simpler. But the, the point is you try to build apps that are not going to be shut down um, easily by, by, I don't know who. So in order to achieve that, I think developers are just going to do the minimum necessary to achieve that sort of permissionlessness, to achieve that sort of censorship resistance. It doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't be, need to be as decentralized as humanly possible. It just needs to be enough to make sure that the app continues working and is going to stay there and not going to be taken down. Um, and for that, I think based on the app needs, you will need different chains. It's not necessarily going to be Ethereum always. It's not, sometimes it will be, sometimes it won't. And and that's why I think that people are going to use multiple chains with multiple trade-offs. And there's probably going to be, as time goes on, there's probably going to be easier ways to to transfer between those chains, probably without even knowing. So I think that for most users, it will be kind of a, a very transparent process. They won't know which chain they use at which time. Maybe some of the apps will be using multiple chains at the same time. They won't even know. Um, I think certainly if we're looking, if we're thinking about things like gaming, and again, I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to happen, but for sure, if if crypto is going to get integrated into popular games, 
there's no way that they're going to teach this audience of, you know, hundreds of millions of video game players how to use MetaMask and stuff, you know, like things are going to have to be much more transparent than that and much more easy to use. And they're not going to tell someone, hey, you're using Tezos now and now you're using Solana. And I'm like, that kind of stuff is going to be transparent to people. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's probably where we're going and not into this world where there's this one monolithic chain. I think that's unlikely. No, Nick? people are just going to play games, and uh, that's what that's what game players do. They play games. It's not about like yeah. me showing up and interacting with seventeen barriers to go and play this thing. The yeah. only reason you you go through those things is because you have the hope of making money. Um, that that's why we install these different tools. It's why we interact with it. For the, by and large, yeah, th- there's the self custody aspect of things, but that's not at the foundation of like my existence within society for the most part. Like it just, it just isn't, I have a bank account. I still use it for things. I use credit cards. These are all things that I, that I utilize um, because I'm an adult operating within society. <laughs> and I, I think that that's just kind of the, the way that that works. So I'm kind of on the same page. Uh, last question here. How many of our NFT do you own? And uh, is it, are you one of the biggest whales? <laughs> Man, I couldn't pot. I I just don't want people to find my secret wallets, mm. so I can't can't I can't say anything about. Well, maybe that. one day you'll just accidentally pick one up, and uh, <laughs> we'll have no idea it was you. Um, in terms of, uh, it's called the Nifty Portal, by the way. But um, in terms of, uh, uh, or what was I going to say about that? Um, yeah, whether or not you buy it uh, doesn't really matter because. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make a difference, but <laughs> we'd be glad to have you in there uh, not knowing who you are. But there we go. Another anonymous hey. person who owns a massive number of our NFTs, which we're just used to dealing with at this point in time. So Straight up. Well, Udi, thanks so much for coming, man. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for inviting me. This was awesome. Awesome, man. Well, everyone, don't check out Udi on Twitter. He doesn't want you to check him out on Twitter. Um, Pretend this didn't even happen. <laughs> look, look out for him. He's been on Up Only. He's been on you know, some of the bigger Bitcoin podcasts, like what Bitcoin did. He's been on Bankless. He makes the rounds. Uh, you know, you're going to hear more from him if you stick around the Web3 space. Uh, and yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. We will catch you next time. Udi, thanks for joining one more time, man. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me.